Would you quiet your hearts before our God? God, you are good, and you allow us to be your hands and feet, to be your ambassadors in this world, broken as we are. Lord, we, we praise you for everything that you do and that we get to be a part of it. Lord, help us to worship you today. Help us to open our hearts to what you have to say to us, what you would have us do. We love you, Lord. Amen. Would you rise and body your spirit and join us for the call to worship? Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are a ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks. And praise your glorious name.
and all the glory. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, it's good to see you and to be with you today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, it is good on a beautiful day. When we gather for worship, no matter what the weather looks like outside, uh, we are participating in a reunion, a family reunion. We're seeing each other again. Maybe we haven't seen each other in a week or a couple of weeks but we're also being reunited with God. In the scriptures, specifically in the Old Testament, you have these dramatic and elaborate covenant renewal ceremonies that happen throughout key moments in the life of Israel. And it's a, it's a moment when the people are coming together to be reunited with God and also to remember who they are. And each and every Sunday when we come into worship, we are participating in a little covenant renewal ceremony. And like any family reunion, when you get together, there are things that you need to say. We have just said a bunch of them. How good it is to be together. How good and beautiful you are, oh God. We give you praise. But sometimes we also need to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes we also need to say, it's been a while since I've seen you. Sometimes we have to say, I wish I hadn't said that last time we were together. And so when we worship, we not only say the good things but there is also a place and a time for us to come into the presence of God and each other and to confess the things that we also need to say if things are going to be right once again. It would be simply too scary for us to come in the presence of the living God and own what we have done wrong if we did not already know what he has done about it. And so when we come to this family reunion, what makes it different is that God has already welcomed us through Jesus. And in that welcome of the father who searches for his lost children, who welcomes home all of us, no matter how long it's been or how far we've run, would you join me in this prayer? Wondrous God, who sets suns and moons above us, mountains and valleys beneath us, and friends and strangers among us, how often we have tried to hide from your presence. How seldom have we looked for your creating face and your fashioning hand. Together we say, Lord, Lord have, have mercy, mercy upon, upon us. Wondrous God, who took upon yourself flesh of our flesh in Jesus our brother, and being found in human form made the ultimate disclosure of yourself in the face of Jesus Christ. How often we have forgotten you. How seldom have we really loved and followed you. Christ, Christ have, have mercy, mercy upon us. us. Wondrous God, who pours out freely the Holy Spirit. How often we have ignored your promptings. How seldom have we asked for your help or accepted your gifts. Lord, Lord have, have mercy, mercy upon us. us. Gracious God. Our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change, 
open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world, amen. In the presence of this God, let's take these words and make them our own. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would take these words that we offer silently to you, along with those we offer together, that you would hear us in your abundant mercy and love and forgive us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the God who gives us the words to say, I'm sorry, is the same God who says, I forgive you and I love you. He's been saying it for a long time. These words come from Psalm 103, verses 8 through 13. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Friends, the God who challenges us is also the God who encourages us. The God who confronts us is also the God who accepts us. Be assured that God is with us even now, accepting, guiding, and forgiving you. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's sing together. Will you rise? I cry to you In darkest places I will call Incline your ear to me anew And hear my cry for mercy, Lord sinful ways How could I come before your throne Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze I stand redeemed by grace alone I will wait for you I will wait for you on your
His word says that he offers us his peace. So friends, the peace of Christ be with you. Let's share that peace with each other now. take a moment to uh, dismiss the kids street kids so if the kids want to come on up we'll uh, do our prayer people of God what is our prayer Lord continue to show us your wonderful never stopping never giving up unbreaking always and forever love amen the Lord be with you and also with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. My name is Dawn, and I am one of the elders here at Pleasant Street. And what a gift and um, 
a blessing it is for us to be able to bring our needs before the Lord, to share with him the things that are on our hearts, um, and just to give him the praise that we can't match what he deserves, but at least we can give him our best. So would you join me in prayer, please? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we do praise you for who you are and all that you are. Father, we give you all of our praise for your care and your love for us. The one who has known us from before time began, knows our thoughts and our words before we think them, and from whom we can never be apart. What a privilege it is to call you Father. Lord, we are humbled in the presence of your holiness. You shine more radiantly than the midsummer sun, so much so that on our own, we could never look upon you with our mortal eyes and live. Yet through the gift and sacrifice of your son Jesus, we can lift up our eyes toward you and bask in the reflection of your glory until the day we can see you face to face. Light in our darkness and radiant sun, we bring you our humble praises. Author of the word that guides our lives, thank you for speaking through us, through those who came before us. Thank you, Lord, for the Psalms, which help to shape our prayers and our conversations with you. Father, we thank you for Pastor Matthews leading us this summer, helping us to see how these ancient words are alive and relevant in many of our daily situations in which we find ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would grow daily in our relationships with you and that we would lean on you and find voice in these words as we walk through times of disorientation, frustration, and question. Father, with the psalmists, we lay our concerns and bear our hearts before you unashamed. Lord, today we pray for Bev, who is dealing with pneumonia, and for Hank as he continues to receive treatments for his cancer. We pray for Carol H. and for Henny, who are also receiving treatments this summer. We ask that their side effects would be minimal, and we pray for them. We also lift up Chuck, who experienced a heart attack this week, and we thank you that he is recovering and here today with us after having surgery to place a stint. Father, for Amy's cousin Elizabeth, who is battling thyroid cancer that appears to be spreading in her body, we ask for comfort for her and for wisdom for her doctors. Lord, be merciful, we pray, and touch each of these and those that are unnamed with your healing hand. Thank you that Chris is recovering from hip surgery. We ask that you will continue to heal and mend his body. We pray for Mark, who will undergo a heart ablation this week. We ask that you would be with the medical teams who treat him, and thank you for those who provided care for Lillian as well. Thank you that she is feeling better with the treatments she received. And we continue to pray for a full recovery for her, for Mark, and for all of those who continue to battle lingering effects of COVID. Lord, we also pray for Lillian's mother, Alicia, who's been hospitalized in California and is in extremely weak condition and struggling to breathe. Father, we also ask that you would be near to Phil's co-worker, Jeff, who tragically lost his son in a motorcycle accident this weekend. Father, when it feels like we are being overcome and overwhelmed, remind us of your promise, for my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect. 
We ask, Lord, that you would be with the cadets and their leaders as they are camping this weekend. Thank you for blessing them with good weather, and we pray that this would be a time of fun, fellowship, and growing for them. Thank you for men willing to give of their time and talents to train up a generation of boys who will love and serve in your world. And Lord, when it seems like we are so caught up in our own needs, we ask that you would help us to also see beyond ourselves to the greater needs in our community, our country, and our world. Lord, for those whose lives who are being devastated by fires, floods, dangerous heat, and storms, we ask that you would spare their lives and provide for their physical needs. For those in war-torn countries and places of violence where groups are pitted against each other and there is no value shown for human life, Lord, be their refuge and raise up leaders who can bring about change and peace. Fill us with compassion to speak up on behalf of those in our own communities and country who are marginalized, discriminated against, or live in fear because of the color of their skin, the place where they live, or the fact that something about them is perceived as different. Father, help us to see each other as you see us, all through the lens of love. Remember, remind us that there is no one of us righteous. We are all in need of your grace and mercy. Father, thank you for the hard work and plans that you have put in place for serve this week. We ask, Lord, wherever work is done this week, that you would show up in mighty and awesome ways as we serve as the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Help us also to grow together as members of your family here at Pleasant Street, that we would be a church on fire for you, loving each other and committed to you. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would fill Pastor Matthew as he helps us apply your words to our lives. We ask that you would light a spark within our hearts, clean out all the noise and distractions in our ears, open wide our eyes, and deepen our desire to walk more closely with you. May the praises of thousands of years ago be just as alive in our hearts and lives today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is in God, the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the seas and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Good morning. As we come to the end of our journey through the book of Psalms this summer, would you pray with me? Lord God, we lift up one more prayer amongst the many others offered so well to you already this morning. We ask, O God, that with Psalm 1, you would get us ready to pray and to receive these words of Scripture about prayer. We ask with the Psalms of Lament that in the places where there are deep questions about your ways in the world, that you would help us to voice them to you. We ask where there is anger and the depths of um, frustrations about how our lives are going right now, that you would help us to lodge them straight at your heart. We ask too, O oh God, that in the broken places of this world and of our lives, that you would give us Holy Spirit-illumined eyes that we might expect and be ready for the surprising way that you show up. And having seen our lives not come to an end, but be renewed in spite of ourselves, we ask, O oh God, that you would help us to give voice along with the psalmists, of our deep and abiding praise in who you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As a church, we've been looking at the Psalms together this summer, and if you've been with us along the way in person or online, you might be surprised to find where we end today, because the first word of Psalm 146, which I'll be referring to if you'd like to turn to it in your Bibles, uh, the first word there in Psalm 146 is the last word that we would expect to find. Alleluia, praise the Lord. Right? That word, Alleluia, is in fact also the title of the entire book of Psalms in Hebrew. In English, we call this part of the Bible the Psalms, which comes from Greek, right? But in Hebrew, they called it Sefir Telahim, the book of the Alleluias, the book of the praises. Which is interesting, only because if you've read any of the Psalms, you probably notice that that title seems a little inaccurate. Most of the Psalms do not sound anything like Alleluia. Most of the Psalms sound like complaints. They voice questions and deep doubts about what God is up to just exactly in a world of sharp edges and broken promises and broken people. They pant desperate pleas for help when we are being hunted by enemies. They aim questions about God's absence at God in their suffering. The Psalms are not religious prayers. In fact, the Psalms are the exact opposite of religious prayer, if you think about it. I mean, religious Prayer, no matter what the words and what tradition it comes from, religious prayer looks for mantras. It looks for special words that we can use to bring inner calm and to manipulate gods or the universe or whatever to do what we want. Religious prayer wants to use words that will help us live above the fray. Psalm prayer plunges us into the very depths of it. During his life, the late Eugene Peterson, a Bible scholar and commentator extraordinaire, he would at times pray through all of the Psalms each month. 
all 150 psalms 12 times a year for years on end. Friends, you can't do that regularly without having something change inside of you, without being taken somewhere. Friends, you cannot pray, my tears have been my food day and night with Psalm 42 and not begin to notice the silent tears of people around you in the world. Right? The writer Caitlin Curtis noticed a couple of years ago that while the congregation was singing happy songs about Jesus, her friend, who was at church that day, disappeared into the bathroom. In her article, Grief Hides in the Church Bathroom, Curtis writes about how on that particular Sunday, she followed her friend. A few weeks prior, her friend had lost a child. We ended up on the church's bathroom floor, she writes, weeping together as people came and went, stepping over us, not sure what to say. The Psalms, when prayed, mean to open our eyes to the grieving and to take us to them. The Psalms take us to church bathrooms and to graveyards and to assisted living facilities. They may even take us to the places where grief is stuffed in the corner of our own lives, too, like boxes we never got around to unpacking. Likewise, we cannot really pray, see how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me, O God, with Psalm 25, without beginning to notice the people around us who are oppressed by systems and people, maybe even by us. We cannot pray about enemies without noticing people who are being bullied at school, or perhaps without noticing how sometimes we have been bullies too. The Psalms take us to people whose lives are lived with the deck stacked against them. They take us to places where the wicked do seem to prosper and the righteous often do suffer, and they will not let us look away. The Psalms take us to these places, to these neighborhoods to these stories, places, honestly, we would usually avoid. And we call it the book of praises? How can we say that? How is this not bright-siding it? Well, the Psalms are called the book of Alleluia's because that is where they end. Psalm 146 begins and it ends with that word, Alleluia. And in fact, Psalm 146 is part of a collection of psalms that pepper us with that word over and over again. Alleluia. Right? Together, Psalm 145, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, they end the whole book of the psalms with Alleluia that crescendos. Right? Together, like the grand finale of a 4th of July fireworks, that strongest of all Hebrew praise words thunders a salvo of praise across all creation, thumping it deep into our chest. Together, these psalms, as Eugene Peterson wrote, they put all of the acts of God's salvation and deliverance, his creation and his providence on display, and it festoons them with hallelujah garlands. They put the sounds of alleluia into wind and water, into widow and orphan, into ravens and angels, lute and harp, sea monsters and saints. 
And the astounding claim tucked inside of this editorial arrangement of the Psalms is that this book is called the book of praises, not just because the Psalms end that way, but because our lives are meant to, too. The first and the last word of Psalm 146 is Alleluia, and the psalm is suggesting to us that that is the first and last word of our lives, too, or at least it could be. Which is all very interesting in a church service on a Sunday, but what we really want to know is how, how, how do we authentically say hallelujah when we live in a world of sharp edges and broken promises and broken people? One of the reasons that I love talking to skeptics and people who are curious or hostile to Christianity is because they voice things that the rest of us think, but sometimes I think we're afraid to say. One of the things that skeptics have shown me in my conversations with them is that for all of us, I think we kind of assume in our life with God that, that first we will master the questions about God before we have to believe and honor him. We imagine that, that praise is what happens after God has answered all of my prayers. Oh, my, my friends, it doesn't work that way. We no more praise God before trusting God than we interrogate a chair before we sit in it. We just sit down <laughs> when the chair is there and we know that we need it. The psalmist praises the Lord and invites us into praise because we need it and desperately so. But the psalmist doesn't just invite us into praise as though if we work hard enough, we could just somehow get ourselves into enough of a lather that we could praise. No, no, it, it actually is doing something even more interesting, right? It's not just telling us how to get there on our own. Psalm 146 is in a way, it's, it's taking us there. In the same way that the Psalms take us to neighborhoods and stories in our world that we might otherwise drive around, they also take us to another place that we can't get to on our own. They take us to the place where praise is the native language of everyone. In her third year of college, my friend Kristen decided that she was going to study abroad for a semester. She came from a small town in western Canada in an immigrant community, and she decided that to study abroad, she was going to go to Ghana, which is in West Africa. Now, coming from a cold culture climate of muted colors and emotional expressions, when she arrived in Ghana, she was simply assaulted by color and pattern and a kind of gregariousness that was really quite rather overwhelming. Right, the smells, the birds, the traffic noise, the music, the dancing, the life, everything was just more and it was louder all of the time. It took her a long time to get used to it. In particular, she was struck by the different kinds of rhythm and the different dance steps that accompanied them in her new host culture. She had no idea how to do it. <laughs> The rhythms felt different, but she wanted to learn to move and dance like the women who had welcomed her into their culture for a time. And at the end, she came home with more than a suntan. She came home 
carrying that rhythm in her. She came home seeing the world that she grew up in a lot differently. In the same way, Psalm 146 pulls us to the place where everyone dances to the completeness of God who is everything and all and in all. Right? It's a place that is already festooned with hallelujahs, as, as Peterson put it. It's already a place of bright technicolor worship because God is everyone's everything. Psalm 146, in a way, is taking us there now, and it's teaching us how to sing and dance along to that very strange but very beautiful rhythm. Psalm 146 takes us to the throne of the God of Israel, who is, believe it or not, also the king of the universe. Hallelujah. Right, the living God Psalm 146 wants to show us, wants to reveal to us, is not the God of the great empires of the world. The real living God is not an extension of national military power or national laws and customs. The living God isn't Ra in Egypt, even though they built great pyramids. It's not Marduk in Babylon, even though they had incredible laws and customs. It's not even Caesar in Rome who ruled the known world, nor is it any God of any empire since then. It's Yahweh who made heaven and earth and everything in them, even though he rules a little backwater people. Alleluia is the beginning and the end of this psalm because Yahweh is the beginning and end of all things. And look at what Yahweh does. Yahweh makes justice for the oppressed. Yahweh makes sure the hungry are being fed, sees to the release of prisoners, gives sight to the blind, protects the sojourner and the stranger. Yahweh cares for widows and orphans. In other words, God does not do things the way that we do. Alleluia. John Calvin in his commentary on this psalm said, quote, All show favor to those who are known to them. But we know that strangers are, for the most part, exposed to injurious treatment. We find comparatively few who come forward to protect widows and orphans. It seems labor lost where there is no likelihood of compensation. In other words, a lot of times we think God helps those who help themselves, and if we help anyone, it's usually those who can help us in return. But Psalm 146 tells us, praise the Lord, for God is not like us. God is not like any human leader or system of law in this world. Do not put your trust in princes or their policies, Psalm 146 says. Not necessarily because human leaders are evil and self-invested. They might be, but don't trust them, not because they're more evil than you, but because they're exactly like you, destined for the ground. Princes and their policies promise the impressive and their promises look powerful, but they promise what their bodies can't deliver because their breath is borrowed and they go into the ground and their promises go with them. Do not put your trust in princes. Don't hope for salvation in anything within the creation. I came across a story a couple of years ago about a steamboat on the Mississippi. It was very old. I don't remember the name. 
It was very historic, and it was in need of repairs in order to preserve it, right? So part of that meant they had to take it apart. And so they went to take apart the smokestacks, these big, elaborate, beautiful, ornate smokestacks. Maybe you can imagine what I'm thinking of on top of this old steamboat. A crane was called, the boom swung out over the water, the crew set about attaching great ropes around the smokestack to pull it up. They removed the bolts that fastened it in place, and they went to hoist it from its place, and the whole thing crumbled like a paper bag. The metal had completely rotted away, and it had been painted for so many years that the only thing holding it together was paint. There was nothing solid in it. And so they went, when they went to lift it up, it crumpled. It couldn't bear the weight. And Psalm 146 sings out for us the lesson that we struggle to learn over and over again. Neither can anything or anyone bear the weight of our hope and trust in this world. How do we get free of this temptation to idolize the leaders that we like and despair about the ones that we don't? Psalm 146 says, come with me. Let me take you to the throne room of heaven and praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Right? And who is Yahweh? He is the one who took care of Jacob in Genesis. Yahweh was the one who was faithful to Jacob even when he was a sneaky scoundrel. Right? Yahweh loved Jacob when nobody else would. And he wrestled the snarkiness right out of him and gave him a new name and a new purpose in the world. Blessed is the one whose hope is invested in Jacob's God because Yahweh is their God too. And Yahweh isn't just the God of Jacob. Yahweh is the one who made everything that is. The Milky Way and the Appalachian Mountains, Chinook salmon and Dungeness crabs and lobsters and lions and mussels and marlin. Yahweh made all of these and Yahweh is faithful to what he made forever. Praise Yahweh who created everything that you can see and touch and taste and name Trustworthy Yahweh is the one who makes justice for the oppressed, the one who feeds the hungry, the one who frees prisoners and gives sight to those who live in darkness. Yahweh exalts those who have been humiliated. Oh, and yes, Yahweh is king, which means he is also judge. And he will judge those who neglect and abuse his children and ruin the world. So hope in Yahweh, the psalmist concludes, because Yahweh is not running for office. He is already king, and Yahweh is your king for all generations. Blessed is the one who knows how to sit down and rest in this God. What I love about this hymn is that the psalmist roots trust in Yahweh in the fact that God made everything. But this is also the same God who didn't just make everything, but didn't stop creating, making, doing, giving on day seven in Genesis. Yahweh brings all of that creating power into the lives of those who need justice and food and hospitality and liberation and acceptance. Psalm 146 proclaims a creating God who also comes into the lives of the people whom he created, which is what we have seen in its most brilliant glory in the story of Jesus who is God, come into the lives of those who need him. Jesus is the embodiment of all that Psalm 146 says about God's care and justice and mercy. 
Jesus got up into the pulpit and unrolled the scroll about Isaiah, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to all the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is Psalm 146 in the flesh. God's care is not just words, my friends. We praise God's care expressed to us in the beautiful life of Jesus and in what he did with it, which is to give it for you and for me. We praise the life and death and resurrection of Jesus who came and sojourned as a stranger on earth. No bed of his own, he came to give us his, to make a bed of good news for us that we could lie down in no matter what we go through in this life. Hated by rulers and religious authorities alike, he died to forgive all the sin that makes us enemies with each other and with God. He was resurrected to a new life that promises us an eternal home with God. Psalm 146 takes us to the place where God is on the throne and where in Christ we can see who is sitting there. Jesus, who is the lion and the slain lamb, the one who rules by emptying himself, who leads by dying, who liberates by turning the other cheek. And dancing to this song, we learn the rhythm of grace. And when we come home, the world looks different. We become strangers in our own land, people who have found a real home with God and so walk as foreigners everywhere else. We sing to the rhythm of this praise all the while, while the people and rulers and leaders in our countries try to figure out how and when and where to legislate care. But we dance because now we can see that all the while God has been quietly and faithfully doing it all along. And having been to a place where Yahweh is all and in all, we are learning to dance quietly and faithfully in our own lives too. For hallelujah, in God's sovereign majesty, God uses people to enact his will. We have a role to play. Perhaps this week, When you paint a wall or clean a toilet or sweep a floor or take out the trash, perhaps when you go out of your way to listen to a hurting person or to do a job thanklessly, perhaps in the power of the Spirit, you might find yourself dancing along too. A descendant of Jacob who sojourns in this world for the glory of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, your ways are not our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways, and they are strange to us. We ask, O God, that you would take us to the place where we can learn about you and how you do things. We ask that you would teach us the rhythms of your love and your care, of how you move in the world and in our own lives, that we might learn this song in its strange steps and learn to follow accordingly. We pray this for all of us as we leave from this place today, and for those of us who will participate in our serve week in particular. We ask, O God, for your spirit to make real the rhythms of your grace this week and always for the sake of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, and in whom we adore and live and have our being. Amen.
Normally, at this point in our worship service, as we are thinking about what these scriptures mean for us, we would also have a chance for our third, fourth, and fifth graders to do that as well. As it happens, all of our third, fourth, and fifth graders are doing other things today. Some of them are on a camp out. Some of them are getting well after being sick. Some of them are traveling. So instead of dismissing them now, let's take a moment and give thanks for them and ask for God to bless them wherever they are today. Would you join me in a prayer? Lord God, we thank you for our third, fourth, and fifth graders. We thank you for chances to talk about the Scripture as a whole family and to learn from each other. Today, uh, we pray for our third, fourth, and fifth graders wherever they are. Where they are sick, we ask that you would make them well. Where they are traveling with their families, we ask that you would open your eyes to your good and beautiful creation. Where they are with other members of our church on a camp out, we ask that you keep them safe and teach them about yourself. And bring them back to us again next week at Fairwoods. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body and spirit and let's respond to God together. Good and faithful, the saints of old still. 
brothers and sisters, these scriptures that get us on our feet dancing to a new song invite us to respond, and in some ways there's nothing we can do but that. We respond in song. We also respond with acts of trust and obedience by giving some of back to God of what he has entrusted to us. We do that through our offering. We're still not collecting plates because of COVID, but you may give offerings either by dropping checks off in the box in the front, by dropping them off at church during the week, or giving online. And in particular, this month, we will be giving, uh, in addition to the ministries of our church, also to prepare for October when we celebrate the 125th anniversary of our church. So many good things are coming. More about that later. For now, having responded to God, uh, uh, you may be seated for a second. I was just talking about dancing, and now I'm telling you to sit. I don't know. I missed that transition on that one. But so when we, having responded together, uh, when we leave church, we do so as people who are sent. And each and every week, this is true, that God sends us to our own lives as his servants. Sometimes, though, God is sending us in a particular way. And so this Sunday, even as we are being sent uh, to our own lives, changed, we are also sending a serve team. Normally, a team would be coming here and we'd be hosting them from somewhere else. For the second year in a row, serve is different than it, than it normally would be, right? And so we are sending ourselves to our own community, so to speak. It's called Serve at Home. And we're grateful to all the people who have made adaptations to make it possible for us to still participate in this rich and meaningful program in a different way. So, so for a moment, bear with me, we're going to commission the people who are participating in Serve. Um, and so in a moment, I will ask all of those who, of you who have any role to play in it whatsoever uh, to rise in place. Surprise! You didn't know that was coming, right? But just this, now you have a moment to get ready. In the meantime, would you join me in saying this commissioning litany? It's printed in your bulletin. In a world where the ground seems to shift beneath us and things continue to change in our lives, the Psalms declare that the voice of the Lord is over the waters, the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Together, God is our refuge and help, our ever-present help in trouble. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea. The Lord calls us to serve in this shifting world with his steady voice. This year, serve has changed, but the mission God calls us to has not. Hebrews 12. The serve text for this year reminds us that God's kingdom cannot be shaken. Together, we praise you, Father, for giving us a kingdom that does not shake. The kingdom is present where the king's voice is heard and obeyed. We praise you, Jesus. You are our unshakable king. The spirit that empowered Jesus in his ministry is the same spirit who will empower us in ours. We praise you, Spirit. Empower us for the work that testifies to your unshakable kingdom. Serve team, would you please rise and stand as you're able? Congregation, I present to you all those called from among us to serve this year. Serve team, here are, and gathered at home as well, are your brothers and sisters who will support you in this vital work. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus sends us to go and make disciples. In Mark, Jesus commands us to share the good news with everyone everywhere. In Luke, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus breathes that Spirit upon us, saying, Just as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you.
This year, Jesus is sending us to serve our own community. Though we will not have to travel very far, we still go in the power of God's Spirit, carrying out good work for our community, ready to share good news with those who are looking for hope. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Serve team, do you recognize in this work that God is the one who is sending you? We hear God calling us to this mission. Will you work in a way that reveals Christ's teaching in your love for each other and in your words about Jesus? Will you strive to treat strangers as neighbors and your coworkers as brothers and sisters? Will you offer your whole self, your strength, intelligence, imagination, and love as a living sacrifice to God? What's your answer? Congregation, would you please rise? Congregation, do you recognize God's commission on the lives of our serve team? What's your answer? We believe God is sending you to Will you pray earnestly for them this week, recognizing their service as work for God's unshakable kingdom and their mission as your own? We promise our prayers and encouragement. And friends, go forth into the world to love and serve the Lord. And may the God who shakes heavens and earth, whom death could not contain, and whose kingdom is everlasting, bless you with the power to go forth and proclaim the gospel. Together, we go as servants of the unshakable king. You can receive God's blessing if you would. Now to God, who by the power working in us is able to do so much more than we can ask or even imagine. To God be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ, this week and always. Amen. Friends, having been blessed, let's go out singing. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray.
Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.